What the Beep Do You Know About Learning English is a podcast for intermediate to advanced learners of English. And some teachers might find it interesting too. The podcast aims to provide different perspectives on teaching and learning English, and at the same time, develop our listeners' English skills. In this episode, we try out a new format called Smashing Sledgehammers. Amy and Damien look at our teachers' English language learning tips and review an online tool that'll help you improve your English. Today, we re- revisit Jamie's tips to learn English and review a tool called Language Learning with Netflix. If you like to binge on Netflix, but don't know how to learn English by doing this, then keep listening. Okay, let's start writing. It's Damien from English Riot and my sometime collaborator, Amy. Combined, we have over 30 years experience. That's right, 30 years. And we're here to help you smash some English barriers. So how are you going today, Amy? I'm good, Damien. How are you? Uh, I've had better better days. Um, <laughs> I was in a bit of an accident and had to experience the Thai legal system firsthand. Oh, no. But that's a story for another day because we're here to help students learn English and not not listen to my uh, um, moaning about my problems. <laughs> yeah, well, I dig it. I think it's a great idea. So I'm looking forward to getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, <laughs> of learning English. So before we start, I thought we'd just give our listeners a quick description of what's going to happen in this program. Um, so each time, as I said, when I interview someone, people give me ideas about, you know, how to study English. So in my past roles as a teacher, I've often been really interested in, you know, using technology to help students get better at English. So I'm going to take the ideas from the interviews and try and match their language learning ideas with an online tool and then we're both going to discuss discuss that tool and review it and tell our listeners whether it's a worthwhile tool for them to use in their studies of English. My tip for study, let me try and be more constructive now, would be to take a, a film that you like which is a, a narrative, back to that word, it's a story. Let's, if, you, if you like the film, then it's a compelling film, so you're going to understand it. Go with the comprehension. Watch it in your own language with English subtitles. And every time you see on the screen a piece of language that you think, ah, oh, now that's good. Oh, yes. They just said that in my language. That's how you say it in English. That's going to be useful for me. Pause the video and write it down. Make a note of it. Smashing Sledgehammers. All right, this segment is called Smashing Sledgehammers. And in this segment, we're going to look at a tech tool that can help you improve your English. So today we're going to look at language learning with Netflix. 
So if nobody, do you think all our listeners know Netflix or do we need to define what that is? Oh, I'm, I'm fairly confident, but we probably don't want to make too many assumptions, so we could do a quick mm-hmm. recap, I suppose. So what is Netflix, Amy? Netflix is an online streaming service of television shows, documentaries and films. Mm. So with this tool, it's a Chrome extension. So it's an extension that you download onto your browser and works with or in conjunction with with the service that Netflix provides. So you do to use it, you do need to have a Netflix account, which I think you do have to pay, though you can get it free for free for a month. Yes. So the developers of this extension claim it will give you new capabilities to study languages in Netflix. So what we're going to try and find out is whether this statement is true or if it's possibly bullshit of the highest order. So before we hit into, you know, our positives and negatives on this tool, Amy, I thought I'd just go into a bit more detail about what it actually does. So the first thing the tool does, it has a has a help page and then that helps you find appropriate videos so which have good uh, subtitles in your first language and in your second language, which is usually English for our listeners. So once you've chosen your video from Netflix, you can then use some other functions to give better control when you're playing the video. So you can set it up so it auto-pauses at the end of each line. Also, there's controls so you can use A for the previous subtitle, use S to repeat a subtitle and D to go to the next subtitle and then spacebar to play or pause. And one other thing, you can also reduce, I think, the playback speed to about 80%. Now, also on top of those playback functions, it also has a few um, vocabulary-related functions. So you can set it up so less common words will show up in grey. So you could set it like the top 2,000 words and then any words that are outside of the top 2,000 in English will will show up in in grey. And finally, you can also hover, hover over words in the subtitles to get a translation. So that's a quick summary of of what the tool can do. Now, now uh, me and Amy, we both, uh, you know, gave the tool a trial run. Initially I used it as, you know, from me learning Thai, so English is my first language, but then I also used it as like the, from the experience of an English learner so with English as a second language, what what did you play around with it on what languages? Well, yeah, I worked on it with both because on the original um, learning language with Netflix web page, what it does is you choose your language as you well know. So I chose Spanish and then it has my country's United Kingdom. So then it gave me all the Spanish programs, right, um, mm-hmm. which was okay. But the problem that I found with that is that from a learning perspective, most of them were movies and I wanted mm-hmm. something that was shorter, um, but I'll get to that in a minute. And then what I did was I mm-hmm. flipped it the other way around so so I could get greater access to a larger um, 
larger catalogue of, of shows, I changed it from English and then I said I was in a Spanish-speaking country. Pedagogy. Was the background to the tool. Now, now we're both sort of going to talk about the tool and give our listeners an idea about whether this tool is worthwhile using. And the three criteria we're going to use to talk about it are pedagogy, user experience, and language learning potential. So basically, pedagogy is a bit of a big word for saying that, like, does this tool use good teaching methods based on based on research. I'll just, I'll just start with, I suppose, with my experiences, what I thought were positive about it. Um, with what they're sort of promoting, I think, with this tool is like extensive listening, which is like, you know, listening a lot and having a lot of input in, in English. I, I like the idea of that because, I mean, the more you input, the better. And it sort of connects up to a lot of research about I suppose reading extensively but that's more related I suppose to graded graded readers or books written at the right level for you I suppose it's trying to make listening more of an active experience because I suppose I don't know a lot of time when you speak to students I don't know if it's the same experience for you but they often say oh I just watched you know watched a movie in English for for two hours but during that time they're not really doing anything with the language or following up anything just sort of sitting passively yeah absolutely yeah I would agree with that also I suppose when I was reading like they they have suggestions on their help page they talk about watching it multiple times you know in in different ways so I think yeah it's good repetition I think is important because there's always much more you you can get out of a listening especially if you're I don't know, doing shorter listenings and then watching it multiple times. They say, I think in their suggestion, they said watch it, you know, without the subtitles first, then watch it again with the subtitles and then watch it and try to, you know, note down new vocabulary and and language that comes from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the one thing I would argue with that, and I, I mentioned this briefly before, is, I mean, it really would depend. Yeah, it's great that they kind of suggest for lower, intermediate and advanced learners how to engage with the tool. But I, I still, there's a part of me that still feels that the volume of material, uh, a lot of it, like I said to you in the example of um, watching Spanish material, a lot of them were films, so they're quite long. So as a lower-level learner, which I am, I would prefer shorter um, pieces of listening because if you're going to listen thoroughly or carefully, depending on what the purposes are, if it's to listen for pronunciation, um, vocabulary, you know, meaning-making, I feel like the volume of or, like, the, the time in which you would listen to that is quite taxing. Um, from a language learning perspective. And, I mean, that, that sort of links back I mean, with graded language, like I talked about extensive reading. I mean, the idea of that is good in listening, but with graded readers, um, they use language. You know, you can get books which have the top 500 words in English and they only use use those words. So you're reading something at around about a level for you with maybe, you know, three to five new words per page. Yes, yeah. So you're getting lots of exposure to the really high-frequency 
vocabulary and you can read a lot because it's not it's not too challenging with this well the, the whole the movies themselves aren't graded so if they're saying watch a lot and it's not at a graded level for the listener even even though it has subtitles it depends whether I don't know well yeah I actually yeah that's a really good point because what I thought yesterday was I um so when I went in there I basically avoided I avoided films and I will not when I say film I mean uh, narrative I actually looked for a I found a documentary which is about Peru and I thought oh okay I know a little bit about Peru already and also I think because I think what it may also come back to is I don't know whether a complete beginner could pick this up, quite frankly, because, I mean, look, with something like Spanish, obviously you can you can read words and think, oh, they're kind of similar in English, right? So you can sort of already guess mm-hmm. before you look at the English translation. But what I found was because I had learnt some of the vocabulary about, you know, um, earth, like different, diff- like river and mountain and all that sort of stuff, I was able mm-hmm. to try and I was able to kind of pick those words up, but I don't know if it would have worked so well had I not learnt some of that vocab to begin with, and if I just watched it, you know, yeah. Yeah, it depends. Depends what I suppose what level. Yeah, and it might come down to it might be a better tool for someone who's at least you know, maybe pre intermediate intermediate. Yeah. Um, I mean, one one thing, I mean, they had a video at the bottom which they said sort of linked up to their philosophy or pedagogy or the teaching methods that they based their tool on and they, they sort of had Stephen Krashen. Do you know much about Krashen? Yeah, a little, a little bit, a little bit. So his big claim was, you know, comprehensible input. That's what, what you need. Yes. To learn a language, so having lots and lots of comprehensible input, so input of English that you understand to a to a good a good level so and that, that's what i was meaning before about you know we had the graded lead, readers that's sort of like example of comprehensible input so it just depends with these listenings if you're a low a real low level then it, it might not be comprehensible input even with um, the subtitles yeah I yeah I would, I would but i mean if it's in both languages but you wouldn't really be able to i think listen extensively you'd ha- you'd have to do short bursts as you said like if you got a movie you'd probably need to watch it for 5 minutes rather than and, and exactly. use those tools to play back and repeat exactly and rather than yeah. watch and, it the whole whole way and through. from a teaching point of view which maybe I'm jumping ahead here yeah i mean we would never we never tell students okay we're just going to put something on and just listen to it like that's that's just not what you would do um, I know I know obviously people study at home and they put the subtitles on and try to figure it out but I don't necessarily think that yeah it's you're going to get deep learning with with uh, a long piece of of material yeah you would want to have short bursts yeah and as I said one more thing to say in this section before we move on to user user experience with I thought it was good that, you know, like had they had the vocabulary frequency and you could also look up the meaning. Yes. But the one thing I was interested in, they didn't, they didn't say on the website like what that frequency list was based on because there's lots of different ones or what one they were actually using. Because sometimes the words I then checked 
cross-checked in the Macmillan Dictionary, which has its, you know, star Oh, it's system. fabulous. I love the Macmillan Dictionary. Yeah, for high-frequency yeah. words, yeah. Yeah, they use that system and some of them didn't match up uh-huh. completely with that. Okay. But there are different different lists. So it'd be, I'd just like to know, like, or have them add on their help thing, like what they based it on, whether it was like the general service list or Longman's, you know, top whatever. I don't, it'd be cool just to know. Yeah, what they're for working sure, from. for sure. And also with the with the meanings, once again, it's just sort of got that the only it, it doesn't, you can sort of click individual words, but you can't get collocations or, you know, phrasal verbs or things that didn't, didn't seem to pick up. No, I noticed that as well. Groups or chunk, chunks of words. No, so very individual. It's good on one level, yeah. but it, it's, I suppose it's good for a quick quick check, but afterwards... If you're taking language from that, you'd also need to just follow it up with a bit more, I suppose, English to English dictionary that gives you a bit more information. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. User experience. Right, so the next area that we took into consideration was user experience, which is uh, how was it? as a language learner, trying to navigate uh, the use of this tool. So, uh, Damien, would you like to explain your experience as a user trying to learn Thai with the tool? Yeah, I mean, for me, it had the the help page, I think, was pretty good and user-friendly. I mean, it had all the, the core functions of the tool and how to use it. I think, I mean, it's written in English. One thing I thought could make it a little bit better if they had maybe translations on that page because I suppose a lot, of, a lot of the users will be people, I think, who are studying English so that they could just translate that short help page into as many languages as possible I think would help with people coming in to use that tool. Well, yeah, I mean, I would have thought that their main target audience would be English language learners given that, you know, there's just such a huge demand for it in the world and so many Mm. people, um, yeah, focusing on that more so than the other languages. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So maybe maybe they're planning to do that or maybe if you're using that tool as an English uh, learner, you could ask them to put translations. Yeah, I think that would definitely Um, be helpful. Also, I mean, the buttons, I mean, you got the as an ASD and spacebar. I mean, they sit easily. Yeah, like the quick on, keys. You know, yeah. with your hand. Yeah. yeah, the quick keys. They're really easy and fast to use. And you can easily, yeah, yeah, find or repeat or go back a line and pause it. So it does allow you to focus on small small phrases or expressions and hear them again or shadow them mm. or decode, like do decoding activities maybe, which I'll talk a bit more in the next section. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a nice um, a nice addition to the help sheet as well. For me, I didn't, I didn't really have uh, problems as such. Of the, so I think user experience for me was, was good. I didn't really have any bits where I thought, oh, this is, I can't do it. The only thing was maybe sometimes, you know, they have the big bar down the bottom. Sometimes I just would accidentally maybe not, you know, the bar would disappear where it had all the the subtitles. So, but I think it was just finding that button. Once I knew where that button was to reopen it, it was, it was fine. Language learning potential. 
Okay, our final criteria for the tool is talking about language learning potential. So how much a student of English can get out of this tool. So on, on the website, they, they suggest, I suppose, use it an hour a day, um, which is good. As I said, like you might as well, they're, they're talking about reading extensively and having lots of comprehensible input. For me, I'd, I'd probably do it as a 25-minute session and balance it out with other skills rather than listen for a big, a big chunk and try to get more out of the stuff that you're listening to rather than do a, a whole hour where you probably miss out on a lot of stuff or learning potential. What, what do you think? What would be a good time time limit? 20 to 25 is probably adequate. And then you can watch the whole thing over a few days and um, sort of dig deep in in those little segments and then, yeah, balance it with other things. Because, I, I mean, it's very exhausting um, trying to listen to something, you know, for much longer than and sort of 20 minutes or so, especially if you're a lower learner as I am uh, of Spanish, is it's just it gets very taxing. For me, I um, suppose I was just thinking of like Pomodoros. Do you know Pomodoros? Yeah, I think Pomodoro is great. Yeah, yeah actually, that is that's, those minutes. are 25-minute segments, aren't they, and then five-minute breaks. So I thought, yeah, apply that to, to this rather than do an hour, I think might be a better goal. Um, and as I said before, try to get more out of it, like, than watching a lot, get more out of the segments and add in some other activities. So in there, they have like learning suggestions. Some things I, I would add to that is maybe doing decoding activities. So that's like listening to short bursts. So maybe listening to just a phrase and you turn the subtitles all off and you try to write down what that phrase is yeah, After that's you write excellent. it down, like during mm-hmm. it, that's where the controls are good, that ASD where you can, you know, keep flicking back to the same one and listen to it multiple, multiple, multiple times and try and write down what you hear mm. and then you turn the subtitles on and compare. And at that point you can really start to compare what's happening, what, what bits were difficult to understand and then think about why, like was it because it was using slang, was it because... There was a whole lot of connected speech and weak forms when they when they were speaking, or were they chopping or losing? Were, were they losing sounds, and then words were linking up also, or other sounds intruding? So you can start to break down what what was going wrong, you know, or what problem you had with that listening. So you can then keep a record of those and see which, which areas you need to improve on. Mm, I definitely agree with that. And another thing I was thinking of too is I was just curious about you could maybe after that step you could then put the subtitles on. But what I would want to do is mm-hmm. cover your native language and then read what's there and then see if you can try and like guess, you know, unknown vocabulary, like what what does that word possibly translate to? Um, and then you could check and then you could document you know, new vocabulary words. But also too, I mean, like we teach in the classroom, I think it's really useful to get learners to try and do things thematically, right? So try and look for something based on a theme and then maybe all their study that week can be around that theme and you could see where where vocabulary might be recycled and different yeah, for sure. Different things that they're doing. And with the, like what theme. you touched on there, it's always good to be trying to quiz yourself like with, with learning it's better that you don't just want to be reading and highlighting 
and things like that. If you can yeah. actively try to retrieve some information and, and quiz yourself, you're going to have a lot better memory of what what words you're you know inputting or learning from these listenings or videos. And just I mean, going back to the previous point about doing like decoding work, it's also okay. It's good to do sort of shadowing as the final step. They call it more like pronunciation for yes. listening. So Shadow reading's great. If you can say yes. those sort of shortcuts which um, expert speakers use, then that means you're more likely to be able to hear them in the future because often if you can't, you know, pronounce it or say it, then mm. it's, it's extremely hard to be able to hear it. So you can add like a shadowing perspective yes, in. Yes, I agree You can either do it as a listening tool or you can also do it for purely for pronunciation as well if you just want to improve your intonation and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's that's a good thing so to do. With the, and with the tool, I mean, also I think it, it, just be careful with the definitions when, when you're doing it, as, as we touched on before. Yes, I thought so too when I looked at that. Absolutely, because, yeah, it doesn't always – I mean, I think quite often students expect that it's going to translate <laughs> exactly how it is and then you actually when you check it it's quite different or you can misinterpret things so what um, i'd suggest is maybe when you're not careful you know, make a note of the words that you're interested in but then also maybe in another pomodoro in another 25 minute session when you're doing your vocabulary work just go back and sort of cross check some of the expressions or phrases that you've taken from that video in a in a dictionary and then add them into like you know like a yeah. system to remember them then yeah like so a Quizlet like or Quizlet something or, a, or um, another tool where you can you can have flashcards and yeah. review them and, because and, you sort of got to still boost the amount of times you see that word and that's where those sort of flashcard systems come in handy um, particularly mm. as we were talking before it's probably better to do shorter sessions of this the disadvantage is you don't get as much ex- chance to expose yourself some multiple no. examples of that word in context. So what you do is, as you said, put in the Quizlet or whatever your vocabulary system is to help you remember new words. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So, well, that are our three criteria. So we've talked about pedagogy, user experience and language learning potential. Now we move to the final part where we give our rating, so our rating are sledgehammers. So we can give it one sledgehammer means it's absolutely terrible, while five sledgehammers means it's excellent or one of the best tools you could use. So where did you think this tool smashed in with the sledgehammers? Well, you know, to be honest, I I can see it's got its merits, Subtitled things generally annoy the hell out of me, I have to say, Um, and it would be something as a learner I would have to get used to using. So it wasn't a three, but it wasn't a four, so I'm going to say three and a half sledgehammers. Yeah, for me, um, I went a little bit higher. I I said four sledgehammers um, because I think they're on the right track. I think if you... yeah do some more of those other things, what we were just discussing with the language learning potential. Um, I think it'd be quite a motivating way to learn English because you can choose, you know, things that you like to watch because I think part of the thing is you want input but 
I say you want sort of interesting input as well or something that you really want to watch or listen to. So learning with Netflix and using this tool allows you to choose more interesting content. Some people are good at repeating really boring crap over and over again or have a brain that can handle that, but most people need some extra motivation, I think, to get the input, to get better at English. I'd have to say that, yeah, it's definitely better than just purely putting on Netflix and then just listening. I think some of the suggestions we've made today, if if there were templates up on the actual help site, like of suggested acti- activities um, or templates that people can download to then use along with this tool, I think that would, would be really effective. Yeah, I think that would push it up higher. And yeah, maybe, maybe that's maybe I can offer them uh, the developers of this tool. I can offer to write them some templates. Yeah, I think on English, right? Because someone like me would really be drawn to that. I'd be like, oh, there's a little template here, um, you know, that I can. I mean, from a teacher point of view, I kind of already know what I would do. But if I'm in the shoes of a learner, which I currently am. I would want a couple of templates of suggested activities or things that you can do along with um, the tool. For sure, just like a five-page PDF. Yeah. Like talking yeah. about like shadowing one page, decoding yeah. one page. Yeah. Um, how to remember vocab from vocabulary from the videos and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's got a foundation to be a really good tool. I think students will just need a little I agree. bit more guidance. Absolutely. To use it. I hope you enjoyed our seventh episode about the Chrome extension for Netflix. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment through the Anchor app or at English Riot. We reply to everyone. Also, head over to www.englishriot.com and sign up for English Riot's e-newsletter, The Sledgehammer, to get access to weekly English learning tips. See you in episode eight, where we interview Vanessa from Speak English with um, Vanessa, close to the number one learning English YouTube channel on the net.